Once upon a time, in a faraway land, I woke up and realized I am going to be a dentist. Said like no one ever. These are the real stories, not fairy tales, as we go behind the smiles. This is a podcast where we interview and chat with some of the biggest leaders in dentistry, learn their stories, and share their motivation with your host, Dr. Gina Dorfman. Today's podcast is brought to you by Yappy, an automated paperless software for dentists and their teams. Learn more at yappyapp.com. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Smiles. I'm here today with Dr. Tyler Brady. Tyler is a practicing dentist. He's also a parent and a moderator of a Facebook group that you might have seen called The Making of a Dental Startup. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Hi, Gina. I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. So I am so excited to have you on today because, um, quite frankly, I spent a a lot of time on making of a dental startup, and I thought it would be great to have you on to tell us the story of your startup. And, you know, I, I know you're doing great, but all of the you know, trials and tribulations and everything that led you to where you are today. But before we get started, I wanted to um, find out how you got into dentistry in the first place. Okay, so like all little boys, I never brushed my teeth as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So I would always have a cavity, I'd always have something going on. and, And my uncle was actually my dentist growing up. And when I was about 12 years old, I had uh, what he called Volkswagen teeth in a, or Cadillac teeth in a Volkswagen mouth. So I got some big chompers and not enough room for them. So we had to pull some teeth and do a whole bunch of stuff like that and get me braces. And instead of, I mean, like anything, instead of, you can either get scared away or you can get totally sucked into it. I wanted to know everything about why my teeth were moving and how come we had to pull them and why do I need fillings. And so it just kind of snowballed from there. And now I just love it. That's very cool. That's very cool. Do you have any um, uh, family members in dentistry as well? So just my uncle. And then I have one other cousin that started a few years before I did. He's practicing up in Alaska. Um, and it's actually not my uncle's son. It's a cousin on another side. None of his kids wanted to be a dentist. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. And so, okay, so what did you do after dental school? So I graduated. Um, I was looking for a job. We had some friends that came here to Dallas, and my wife had become friends with their wives, so she wanted to hang out with them. I didn't really have a place I wanted to go specifically, so I just came here. Uh, got a job in a Medicaid corporate place mm-hmm. and worked there for about a year and a half and then started opening my own. I always knew I wanted to own my own. So as soon as the bank would let me, I started that process. What so. motivated you or rather, why do you, why did you always know that you wanted to have your own practice? Um, part. I have a hard time being told what to do. <laughs> Ask my parents. Um, so I, I knew, not that I had to be in charge, but I just like the freedom to be able to choose what I want to do and when and where and how. Um, and to be honest, I saw a lot of things. So I have a business degree. Mm. Um, 
and I saw a lot of things in dentistry that I felt I could do better at than a lot of places were doing. And so um, my dad was a in, in hospital administration, and so he was always kind of talking business things. And I felt like, man, a lot of that stuff is really applicable to dentistry. And so that's kind of why I went the business route. I think, I think every person should have two jobs, either in high school or college. I think they need to work in a restaurant busting tables, getting yelled at, telling you're a terrible person and <laughs> not getting tips. And then I think everybody should go into sales at least a summer or for a few months and learn how to communicate with people. I mean, whether we like it or not, patient education is sales. You're telling somebody why they need something and why it's good for them and why they should pay for it. I wish it was free. I wish we could just help everyone. But I mean, we really do have to teach them that they don't need their Lexus, they need their deep cleaning, you know? That's an awesome point. Uh, First of all, I love what you said, that that everyone needs to job sales and restaurant experience. It really does prepare you for for a lot of different things, customer service, everything that we do in, in our practices for the most part is... Uh, customer service and sales and and sales doesn't have to be a dirty word somehow it's become a dirty word in dentistry sales is just figuring out what people want and then figuring out how to give it to them right Uh and i mean honestly the best salespeople are the ones that don't manipulate and don't sell what people don't need they're the ones that make the most money because they get these word of mouth referrals and they get oh you need to talk to my cousin oh you need to talk to my brother that's how you really make the money or make the sale or grow your business is by being honest and upfront with people and helping them find what they're looking for instead of tricking them into buying your security system or your dish network or whatever you're selling. Right. Because I'm, eventually they'll go, you know what? I don't want this. And then they cancel their membership or cancel their subscription or whatever. And you don't get a repeat business and you don't get any referrals. No. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And, you know, we're fortunate to be in a profession that our services are really um, essential for a lot of people. And they yeah. also fill a lot of wants for uh, people, but they don't always recognize it. They don't see it that yeah. way right away. And, and just helping them see what we can do for them and how we can uh, fill their need uh, yeah. And their wants is really—it's an art, uh, but it's also—it's also incredibly satisfying, isn't it? It really is. I mean, once somebody lights up, or like they come in. I had a guy come in the other day. He hasn't had his own teeth since he was thirty years old, and he's oh. seventy-five. He just had his teeth gone, and he had dentures floating around. And he's like, "Yeah, I've learned about implants, but I just don't have the money." And I was like, "Actually, we got this thing called mini implants. It would be great for you." And his face just lit up. He's like, "Wait, I can do that?" And so, I mean, it's awesome to help people discover these options and these abilities that they can have and find a way to make it work. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's go back to talking about your startup. Uh, okay. Tell me about the process. Oh, <laughs> I blacked out for most of it. <laughs> um, it after I so after I signed the the lease papers, I, I hired a broker, and he had helped some friends of mine open their own practice. And he 
we had gotten to know each other pretty well because he'd helped me find a supplier. He gave me all his references for all these people. And he, right after I signed the, the lease papers, he said, okay, now I don't want to scare you, but the next year and a half to two years is going to be really hard. <laughs> and he goes, and I don't think you understand me. I mean, really hard. <laughs> went, okay, Robert. And I didn't really, I mean, I've done a lot of hard stuff in my life. I've gone through dental school. I've, I mean, lots of crazy things have happened to me. And this has definitely been the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's, I'm just now, not just now, but I'm really starting to see like how worth it it is to, to kind of have your own practice and now i see why because i was trying to buy a practice for a while and i see why some of these doctors were like well i don't want to sell it to you this is my baby and now (laughs) i wouldn't sell it to anybody so (laughs) i can see why they were picky with who they sold it to how did you choose that particular spot i actually just had a message from uh someone who was asking my opinion on that and and he is debating between going into location with poor visibility but a good anchor uh-huh. um in a older part of town with very good demographics That's or good. moving on and looking for a visible location so what would you what advice would you give and and how did you choose your location so the advice i would give is I mean, really, your visibility just kind of determines how you market your practice. I mean, if you have low visibility, then that just means you've got to market a little more or market differently. You can market on Facebook. I get clients from over in Dallas, which is 25 minutes away, just because of the way that I do my marketing online. And I have really good visibility. I'm I'm set off the road a little bit, but I'm on the main road there, 45,000 cars drive by every day at 30 miles an hour. So fine. And, but I I wouldn't say that's a deal breaker. I, I mean, I'm in a very saturated place also. Actually, when I, when I came here initially, uh, for my working interviews, I, I drove through this part of town and I thought, Oh, this is a nice place. I didn't realize (laughs) how nice it was, but I was like, Oh, I could, I could live here or own a practice here. And I go to my friend's house and I was like, Hey, what's that like South Lake? place like and they just laugh they're like don't open a practice there and even if you wanted to i don't think you'd be able to find rental space (laughs) i was like oh i'm glad they told me that and then still in my mind i was like man that place is really nice sure (laughs) would feel good to have an office there and we were so then fast forward two years three years we were looking for a a place to rent a, a space for the practice and we were just driving down South Lake Boulevard, and there's a big for lease sign. And I went, okay, this place is going to be like 80 bucks a square foot. Like, it's not <laughs> even gonna... And they called the, the leasing agent, and he said, yeah, it's this much. And they just built it, and you're, you would be the last one in there, and there's not a dentist yet. So we called, and it worked out awesome. So then uh, I met with the contractor. We got going on plans. Um, I I found a supplier who actually had a local architect working for them, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. And they helped me design my office. I had some input. We got all that. We were supposed to be open in October, but we ended up opening in February. You know, that, well, that happens with everybody. It's, 
it's not uncommon to have delays with permits, delays with construction. Oh, the paint won't dry, it's too cold, or the flooring won't be here for two more weeks, so we can't put that in, and then the supplier can't bring their stuff in, so everything gets delayed. So, um, yeah, you just... You, you just deal with it. And, you know, when, when I started, actually, this is where I got lucky. When I did my first startup, uh-huh. I was only behind the month on construction, and uh-huh. it didn't cost a lot more. I mean, basically, whatever it cost more was the stuff that I thought about after. But yeah. I know that when we were setting out the um, – I was working with Henry Shine at the time, uh-huh. and the uh, equipment guy – told me at that point, prepare for it to cost more and to take longer by about 30% in, yeah, wow. in the very least. And so we, we had that in mind, but, but here's, this is where I really got lucky. I had a great contractor. Um, his project manager is still a patient of mine uh, cool. after, yeah, after 17 years. So, so you could tell things went well with that construction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up friends. That's um, awesome. You know, I I got to tell you something. Sometimes, and, and this is just because of my experience, because I've been around for uh, such a long time. Um, probably shouldn't say that about myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I'm on the making of a startup, of a dental startup group, and I see the construction tours, yeah. it looks so exciting and so hopeful and it's like you know it's almost there it's amazing and all these offices yeah. are beautiful uh-huh. but this is just the beginning isn't it this is, this is yeah. just about to hit high and I, like I know I know what the posts are gonna be three six nine months after and of course there are amazing stories I mean we all heard yeah. of and I've actually had some people on my podcast where they went from um, you know, zero to like a million within the first year, but it's not going to be everyone's story. Yeah, no. Even if you're good. Even if you're good, yeah. It's just not going to be everyone's story. That's, you know, it's a a great goal to aspire to, but it's probably not realistic for most people. So what was your story like the first year? So, I mean, I was like, okay, I know how to do this. I know how to stay lean and make it look like we're high end, even though we're not spending money in certain places. Like, okay, 750, I think is a reasonable goal. And oh my gosh, not even close. (laughs) (laughs) But we paid the bills our first year. I mean, my first office manager got a DUI and then she went crazy and I had to fire her. And then we got another one. And then she moved away and then my assistant quit. I mean, we had turnover, we had floods, we had just crazy. The toilet got backed up and flooded the office one day. And I mean, you just, and then you get patients threatening to sue you because this and that. It's just, I, I, I've learned a lot (laughs) the first year. Um, and, and, so many awesome good things have happened at the same time. And I think that's important to remember our brains are geared for survival and they're not geared. I think for like happiness, we have to force ourselves to be happy where like looking for the threat, analyzing the threat and like dealing with it is how our brains are supposed to work. So, I mean, we've had patients. I had one lady who came in and I think every tooth in her mouth is an implant now. 
<laughs> she's <laughs> she's floated my business for like three or four months, just her alone. And she's just the sweetest lady ever and just loves us. And it was like an answer to prayer so many times. She would call and like, hey, can we do a few more? I really like the ones you did. And then just <laughs> like, yes, please. Can you come in today? Um, we've had cosmetic cases that had just walked in the door. We've got, yeah, I've, I've got some athletes and, and some local celebrities that have come in and helped. And it's just been, it's just been amazing. And I wouldn't have got that unless I jumped and took this chance. Like no way would I meet NBA players and Dallas Cowboys guys and all that fun stuff if I didn't drive down that road and go, yeah, I think I can do that. So what are these, some of the other things that you'd like to share with someone who's possibly thinking about uh, a startup? Um, I think, and it might just be me being in the group, but I do kind of feel like it's becoming like the cool thing to do. Like it's becoming popular to, to start your own office. And one thing that I have learned, cause I have had some friends who opened offices and it, sometimes you're just not built for it. Yeah. And you, you got to make sure that you're willing to sacrifice that. I mean, there's kids who are, or people and they're kids but they're like, well, I still want my BMW and I want to live downtown and I got to have this and eat out here. And it's like, you're not going to be doing that for five years. So if that's what you want, you can do that. Go do it. Like, but I don't get disappointed when you don't get paid because you got to pay payroll because that's, that's life. That's how yeah. it is on my business. I, I have friends who've, who've owned huge companies and they're like, yeah, there were some months where it's just like, well, that job never got paid for. So guess who's taking the hit? It's me. It's not my staff. So that's, that's a hard thing. You got to have the personality. You've got to have like the, the mindset to be able to start your own business. And dentistry is an easy one. I don't even know like how these frozen yogurt guys, (laughs) I don't know how they do it. It's like you're charging six bucks and you need like a thousand people to come in a day just to pay your bills. Like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine that stress. Yeah. Fortunately, um, dentistry has a good profit margin. So even yeah. if you're not doing really well, if, even if you're not um, a, a savvy business person from the beginning, um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's pretty easy to stay in business. And I have seen actually one of the practices that uh, I've owned, uh-huh. um, the one that's right very close to me that I sold a few years ago, um, was a startup. Uh, the lady uh, built this practice and she tried to make go of it for about a year. And yeah. she's made some mistakes, but sadly, she was not able to stay in business. And I basically, I, I just bought it out of bankruptcy. Uh, it was, I just bought the shell. There were no patients there. And my story in that building was different, but I also did not spend as much as she did. Yeah. And, and I already had the, my big practice to fall back on. So I didn't need the income from the practice. Pay the overhead for a while. Yeah. And, and we also need to hear those stories because um, I think when we talk to um, equipment sales guys and, yeah. you know, others, they're, they're telling us that, ah, everyone makes it, but not everyone yeah. does. No, 
But the nice thing is, especially, I mean, when I started, I didn't even know there were Facebook groups for dentists. And that was only a year and a bit ago. I didn't discover the Facebook group until I had like started construction. And so, I mean, having people to ask these questions to like you or, or lots of other people who've done this it is so helpful. Like that startup group has saved my bacon a few times, even if it's just to get on there and vent and everyone's like, yep, fire them or, or, <laughs> or don't worry about it. There'll be more patients or, or just to get like a little pat on the back. It's been really nice. And then discovering products like stuff that I never even heard of. I mean, and now I'm going to plug Yappy. <laughs> <laughs> like Yappy is awesome. I, I have like a fancy high end practice and I, the last thing I want is like, all right, let me print off your new patient forms on paper, even though everything else we do is digital and then we'll scan them in. I wanted like nice. I even bought the gold iPad pros, like nice. everything look really good. And Yappy totally fit that. And it's been awesome. Everyone loves it. My staff loves it. So thanks. Thank Gina, you. For, Thank thanks you. for working on that so hard. I can't even imagine how much work that was. Yeah, you know, it's it's a labor of love. And, you know, the story with Yappy is very close to, um, you know, building a startup. It was, it oh, was yeah. scary and it was, um, well, not in the beginning, but when we finally realized, okay, we're building a company here and, you know, for a while there was no paycheck and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and long hours and still, you know, I still put in quite a few hours, but it's just so much fun. And it's so different from what I get to do as a dentist. It, it yeah. really is, uh, you know, the labor of love and, and I would have not had it any other way. Um, Great. So, you know, the other thing I, I actually wanted to mention um, is we sometimes tend to overspend too because we yeah. we there's so many shiny objects that we want to put in our practices and and it's very hard to decide on uh, you know make decisions about equipment there's so many choices right yeah yeah so what advice would you give to someone who is and of course be having thank you for mentioning the group by the way um if oh, if yeah. uh, any of our listeners haven't heard making of a dental startup it's a cool group because, first of all, it has a very clear objective. There are dozens and dozens of dental groups. Um, some I really like, others I don't understand. Uh, you know, some groups are a lot like other groups. Uh, some people are in like all different groups, and you kind of just see the same uh, people cross posting on different ones. But this yeah. group really has focus, right? Yeah. It really. Um, it, it has a purpose and I think it serves that purpose really well because okay. this is a place where you can get advice from people who've been through it, um, whether it's equipment advice or hiring advice or location advice. Um, so, you know, my compliments to Ashley and to you for creating and moderating this group. I know moderating takes a lot of work. Um, but, uh, yeah, so tell me, how, what advice would you give to someone who is going through choosing different equipment, cabinetry, um, bells and whistles for the practice, and, and, you know, toys, supplies? Yeah. 
So my, my thought when I was, cause I had a limited budget, the bank would only give me a certain amount. I didn't have a ton of savings to be able to plug into it. And so I had a really limited amount of money and I was opening in a high end area, which you would think you got to have everything. You got to have all this stuff. So I, I only equipped two ops, but I got the heated and massage chairs. My philosophy was everything the patient touches has got to be really high quality. So That's a good I made, way to go. I made my front counter where they write their hopefully $10,000 checks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, ma- I got that in courts where it looks like Carrera marble. Uh, the operatory countertops are the same. And then I got nice heated massage chairs and that's about it oh and my waiting room i got couches and comfy chairs and really nice looking decorations and that's where i spent my money everything else i got a nomad and a panel i guess would be another luxury (laughs) i guess if that's a luxury i don't know but i mean i didn't put all the cabinets in I didn't equip all the opportunities. I have room for seven ops. I only equipped two. And then, yeah, I went cheap on a lot of stuff. The countertops are all just the laminate stuff everywhere else. Um, We just now put a third op in and put the rest of the cabinets in the sterile. It was kind of crammed. We had operatories just full of boxes and little shelves we had made with all our toothbrushes and stuff on there. It was a... I mean, it still kind of is, but it was a mess. (laughs) But I wanted, I mean, it's like, it's like anything. If you want it to look nice, I wouldn't say fake it till you make it because I'm not a huge fan of that. Mm -hmm. But just put your money in the right places and and the, the patients don't care what kind of sectional matrix you use or what kind of like curing light you have if it's an older one. Who cares? Go on eBay, buy the used stuff, or pinch pennies where you can. I mean, you don't want to compromise care or anything, but I went and bought Nobel implants because I know they work really well. Um, I didn't go cheap there, but I actually started with another company, and the implants literally came in a Ziploc bag. I was like, (laughs) okay, we're not doing that. (laughs) We'll send those back and... So just make sure you're spending money in the right places. That's a great advice. Um, You know, you you make your money, and also, you know, when you start with uh, a small budget, yeah, it's so easy to go over budget. But when you're starting with a small budget, you kind of have to you force yourself to really focus on what's important. The same thing with. Uh, working with a limited time. If you only have an hour, you're going to concentrate that hour on your best work, right? If you have five hours, you're going to screw around for four hours and then you're going to (laughs) try to catch up for the last hour. At least, I I don't know, maybe not everyone, but that's... No, that's how we all study in (laughs) middle school, right? Like, oh shoot, I got biochem. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm a crab. Everything with me is last minute. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, you, you made a great point. Uh, I just posted that yesterday. Someone's mentioned something about the upper cabinets. I'm like, what are you going to put in those upper cabinets? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Get get some cabinets in. Make your reception look nice. Leave the yeah. big windows. Let the light in. Yeah. Um, the cabinets, you know, I've added some cabinets last year because, yeah. you know, we've, well, I've added 
uh, another half of the office somewhere in between. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I actually I had to rent the place next door as we grew and yeah. you know we broke through the wall and we built a large office. But yeah, yeah, you can always do those things later. Just you have to start with a vision and then make your best investments yeah. that fit your vision. And I think going with that, like there's got to be two things that you need to be aware of too, is you're going to make mistakes. You're going to spend money where you shouldn't have. I did that. Um, And then like, you just got to be okay with making a mistake and moving on. Like you can't. Yeah. You just move on and go to the next decision and do your best. And I think sometimes we'd see this a lot in the startup group, especially as people are like, I can't decide between this compressor and this compressor. It's like it just pick one and move on. You're delaying your construction a week just by doing that. That's that pays for the price difference right there. Yes. So hundred percent part of being in business is making decisions and realizing that some mistakes are going to be made. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you, you know, again, with 17 years of experience, I'm looking back yeah. at it and, and I can tell you that I can, I, it doesn't matter which compressor you're going to pick. It's going to, yeah. you know, it's going to work and then it's going to break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 10 years later, you're going to have a break. Yeah. And you get a new one. I mean, that's, yeah. that's going to, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and all those small decisions, the compressor, the, the type of a chair, the model of a chair, yeah. all of those decisions make zero long-term. Yeah. Um, you know, so find something that looks nice, doesn't cost a lot, uh, has good feedback, good reviews, and, and, and don't, yeah. don't worry about it. Yeah. Absolutely. What about staffing? You, you've had some staffing issues. Any advice that would help yeah. listeners avoid staffing um, mistakes? I mean, especially with the younger group, mostly with assistants, they live their life a couple months at a time. When an opportunity comes up, when a vacation comes up, when something shiny comes up, when a new job comes up, they tend to skip around. So don't get offended when people are like, hey, I found something better. It's not anything you're doing. It's just like they want to try something new. And then with hiring, I thought I had an ace in the hole with my first office manager. And about two months in, I just went, what have I done? So we made a change. And I think, so I was listening to a, a podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but he, he said, I, I mean, it, when it wasn't a dentistry podcast, it was a business one. He said, I've been doing this for 25 years now. He says, I feel like all my job is now is firefighter. I said, I went to the doctor the other day and they asked my occupation and I wrote firefighter. Because <laughs> all I'm doing is putting out fires now. And so that's just part of being a business owner. You've got to reply to that email. You've got to talk to your front desk. You've got to go in and do a class two. And then you've got to go do an implant. And then you've got to answer more emails. It's you're just You're putting out fires all day. And I think the sooner you get comfortable doing that, then the easier things will be. I was actually on uh, Drew Burns fee-for-service podcast a couple of months ago, and we were talking about my... I'm a huge 
branding person. Like the word dentist is a brand. People (laughs) don't like that brand. It hurts. It's mean. It's expensive. And so it's our job as business owners to create our own brand that kind of overcomes that brand of being a dentist. And that's hard. But if you can do that with your staff, your staff are going to be the ones telling all the assist or all the patients about what kind of doctor you are when you're not around. Like you can only do so much as one person, but if your whole team is centered around that brand over that core values or your mission statement, whatever you want to call it, then that whole brand is going to carry over. And that's, what's really going to set you apart and kind of push you in the direction you want to go in. That's so true. So true. So how would you describe your brand? Um, really good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I, I am a huge fan in trusting people and believing in people's abilities. I don't like enabling people. I like kind of pushing them to be a better person. Um, super straightforward, super honest. Um, and we love to have fun. We're, I just ordered some, some radios cause I'm always in my office just dinking around and they are looking for me or I'm out talking to my dad who works doing some computer stuff and they can't ever find me. And so we ordered some radios and I'm thinking like, they're just going to be telling jokes all day long over these radios all day. It's <laughs> not going to get anything done, but we're I mean, really teamwork and believing that they're capable of great things, I think, goes a long ways. When a team member knows you actually have their back and that you want to support them in in their dreams, then they're going to bend over backwards. We had this, actually just this last week, we had um, a staff member who was in a car accident and she was in the hospital. Like, it was kind of scary and we weren't really sure what was going to happen. I called a couple people and everyone was there an hour early. Um, to pick up the slack kind of she ended up getting out of the hospital and coming to work Monday morning and two of my staff numbers ducked out when bought her flowers and a balloon and her favorite chocolate and all this stuff and came back and she just lost it she was crying she's and and I didn't have to ask them to do that I didn't even think to do it they just went out and did it and it was really cool and I, I guess my whole approach on running a business is you're spending 40 hours a week at this place. And if it's not enjoyable and fun and you feel like you're growing, then why the hell are you coming to work? Go do something else. Like for anybody, even me, like why would I spend half of my life in something that I hate doing? Yeah. It's just not, I don't want anybody to live their life that way. Nobody should have to do that. So true. And and when you are doing something that you enjoy, when you like being at work, when you like the people that you're with, uh-huh. it's just not only you enjoy your days more, but you actually, you do better work, right? Yeah. And, and when you have fun and do better work, uh, people are attracted to you and, and all of that ends up making your practice more profitable and yeah 
uh, more, you know, growing. And, and of course, you know, you're doing the right thing. You created the brand, whether it's the brand that, you know, is facing your customers or whether it's internally to your team. Mm-hmm. You give them that high-level overview of what kind of practice you want to build. And then you trust them. You put them on a long, long, long leash and you yeah. trust them to do things right. And, and that helps them be creative and excited and feel like they're contributing and, and like feel like they can trust you as an employer to, you know, to have some wiggle room for mistakes and, and um, have their accomplishments celebrated. So this is pretty awesome. Let me ask you a question. Is that something that's coming from your business background is it just your personal? Yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, I would say, yeah. We did, in in my undergrad, there was a, a semester where it was the only class we could take. It was 12 credits. And we had to open a business on campus and run it. How fun. We had to come up with the product. We had to come up with the marketing. We had to come up with the supply chain, all that stuff. And before that was the second half of the semester the first half was designing all of everything and getting in groups and forming a company and we we read tons of business books i think we had to read one every other day like it was it was pretty intense and a lot of those books was all about like company culture like managing people i mean they had to make it broad enough to where it would apply to any subject any type of business and I mean, you really learn, like, we're in the business of people. We're not in the business of dentistry. We're, we're working sales. We're not doing patient education. We're running a factory. We're not keeping track of composite. Like, you got to – it's fun. I love it. I, I think it's – yeah, just – I love what you're saying. Thanks. I literally, you know, it's business is business. And what you just said, you know, I always say that uh, to my employees at the dental practice that, you know, we're not in the business of uh, healthcare. We're in a relationship business. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is this morning I had a meeting with our, uh, at Yappy with our product manager um, and our new UX designer that we just hired a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And she kind of wanted to pick my brain about the brand, you know. And, and first of all, now her job is to design workflows and the look and the feel of some of the new tools and kind of, you know, so we're going to be doing quite a few changes in, in the next, uh, uh, you know, um, probably year. But there's some cool stuff coming out right now. Um, and, and so her job is to make, give it a certain look and feel and tie it all together and make it as user-friendly as possible. Yeah. And then the first thing she wants to know is she wants to talk to me, kind of uh, find, find out more about the company. And, and she's asking me a question about our culture, about our company values, about our company voice. Uh-huh. She hasn't, you know, she's not asking me software-related questions. No. She's not asking me about the mechanics of, you know, uh, front office, dental office. She's asking about, you know, our mission, things yeah. like that, because that's what she wants to um, kind of, um, you know, create. Software. Yeah. For, yes, yeah. She wants to make that. She wants to build that into software, and I think it's pretty amazing. And, you know, I actually told her today that, you know, we make software, but we are in the business of relationships. Yeah. And, and it's funny because it doesn't matter whether it's dental 
uh, dentistry or whether you make software. Yeah. It's it's business is business, and yeah. people like doing business. They like trust, and um, what's the other one? Well, like and trust. I mean, that's that's. Yeah. And then there's a third one. I can't recall it right now. Yeah. And you are really onto something there. And I know you're gonna. Um, I, I know you're doing great, and I know you're gonna be even more successful long term because you, what you're doing is right. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I know it's late already where you're at. I'm going to release you back to your family. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wishing you so much success in everything you you do. Thank you for sharing and being so open about your, um, you know, the good times and the difficult times and the best of luck to you. Thanks, Gina. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Behind the Smiles. This podcast episode was brought to you by Yappy. Not only does Yappy automate the busy work, it lets you get back to focusing on what's most important, your patience. So take a complimentary demo today at yappyapp.com.